0: interview. <laughs> mm. So my name is General Jeff and I approve of this being recorded.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Courtesy right, of Sloss cool. and
0: Girl promotions and productions and <laughs>
1: yeah. Definitely. Okay. Is this, this is good? It sounds good? Welcome to Sloss and Girl Speaks. I'm your host Sloss and Girl bringing you world news with a South Central state of mind. So on today's episode on the first podcast of 2021, I have the opportunity to speak with General Jeff. He is a homeless rights advocate here in Los Angeles, and he is someone that I like to talk to about the homeless crisis in LA because he's not just talking about LA LA's homeless crisis from a theoretical standpoint, but from lived experience and a factual point of view. Today, what we'll we'll be talking about what Jeff refers to as the homeless industrial complex and why things seem to be out of control when you look at the homeless crisis in LA. So, General Jeff, how are you today?
0: I'm great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I just want to go on record start off off top by saying I'm born and raised in South Central LA and you got that South Central LA state of mind. So, I I always love doing this interview. You are my favorite journalist on the planet.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Definitely. And um, yeah, again, I like talking to you because we're going to get the real unfiltered, you know, lived experience. This is what I see. This is what I know to be true. This isn't what I've researched. This isn't what The news is telling me this is my perspective, you know, based on my experiences. So, again, um, so tell the listeners uh, more about yourself. You said, you know, you're from South Central, but who is General Jeff?
0: Oh, just some mysterious regular guy that just wants to help. (laughs) (laughs) That's the short answer. Um, Born and raised in South, South Central LA, Crenshaw District. Graduated from Crenshaw High School. Uh, State champion in basketball uh, my senior year. Uh, One of the first generation West Coast hip hop pioneers, Um, you know, from locking and popping to rapping and producing. Got gold and platinum plaques on my wall for uh, working with Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, DJ Quick, and so many others. And um, been half toured halfway around the world. I'm on my second passport, and it's about to expire soon. Um, but then I just got tired of living out of a suitcase and I just wanted to, you know, give back like to my hood, but the game bang, was too strong. And, you know, anytime I tried to bring rivals or bring folks with what we just call it as differences of opinions, um, in terms of the direction of the hood, I, I, you know, I I just couldn't. And so all those frustrations. One of the youngsters were like, Hey, OG, I see you got a big heart. You really want to help people, if you really want to help people, you should go to Skid Row. I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to do all that. I'm trying to help from my hood. I, I don't know Skid Row. I know South Central like. And then finally it got to the point where I just kept just bumping my head against the wall, just running to the walls. And then finally it was like, well, let me go see what this Skid Row thing is about. Went there and I was like, oh, whoa, this is, way, this is deep. I'm not used to this. And so um, what I wound up doing was um, reducing myself to a state of homelessness. So that I could uh, really understand the lingo, the mindset, the lifestyle, all of that. So I went when I went to Skid Row, when I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It became a challenge. Like I don't want to come in like I'm a superhero, with my cape blowing in the wind. I'm here to save y'all. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like no, let me roll up in here and just really, you know, deal with the issues. And what I, my initial plan was to plug into the system that was already in place. I'm hearing all these nonprofits, all these missions, all these social service providers. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Easy peasy. It's just something is getting lost in translation between the politicians and nonprofits, the people. You know, that's what I do in the entertainment industry. You know, I come in and, you know, you know, network and make things happen, shake and bake, you know, wine and dine, smooth and food, make, make moves. And so it was like, okay, let me come up in here and just do what I do, though. This is gonna be easy. I'll be out of here in six months, tops. Here we are 14 plus years later. <laughs> mm. But but the thing was, I found out that the system wasn't what I thought it was. And so I'm sure you got a lot of listeners that it probably it's like the old me. When I first came to the Skid Row and they probably got that same mindset because there's this controlled pers- perspective and this narrative is framed and controlled. And and I call them poverty pimps mm. because at the end of the day, what they, you know, I'm exposing them because what they're doing is as long as homelessness exists, there's a whole lot of folks that's getting paid. It's just like, you know, the, the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. As long as our brothers and sisters are incarcerated, it's a whole bunch of jobs that's created, right. a whole bunch of money and funding, right. whether they get on the bus, whether they, you know, whatever it is that they do. And so um, it's the same thing with the homeless industrial complex. I coined that term. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's a trip to hear it bouncing back off walls, bouncing back at me by other so-called quote unquote experts. Mm-hmm. It's like the only way you can get that is if it can't if you were listening to me. So a lot of the information that we push out there, we're actually feeding the leader, the so-called leaders and politicians and experts on homelessness. And so in that regard, while I, I don't get paid for what I do, I'm 100 percent volunteer. Hmm. But the, luckily, I I, I get a little royalty check from uh, some uh, songs I made back in the day. As a matter of fact, shout out to Twenty One Savage and uh, Metro Boom, and they just uh, sampled one of my old joints. Nobody Disses me a song I did. One of my old crews, Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley, so good looking out, <laughs> <laughs> right. and so you know, you know, the royalty checks come in, Hey, I haven't seen one yet, but hey, when they come in, all right, they're mm-hmm. keeping us current and all that. But so mm-hmm. that provides for my freedoms to know I don't have a job, know I'm not a nonprofit because I'm speaking out against the nonprofits, mm-hmm. and I want nobody to think like, oh, he's just jealous because oh, we're getting funded and he's not. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I don't, I don't touch money. So all I do is roll up my sleeve and focus on the issues.
1: Definitely, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the nonprofit, the world of the nonprofits. Um, a lot of money flows to nonprofits to do, you know, social services work. Um, but what a lot of us and you know, yourself specifically has come to realize is that um there seems to be a, a disconnect somewhere um and that's not to disregard the nonprofits that are doing good work you know um i guess we can specifically focus on the nonprofits that deal with the homeless in los angeles um so yeah what have you what has been some of the things that you've come to realize about the nonprofit the um nonprofits in los angeles that deal with specifically the homeless well
0: you know that's a great question I, I just it's a lot to unpack with that as well so I just want to like kind of like chop that up a bit because going back to me being an entertainer in the entertainment industry you know talking to all people of all walks of life and you know again being basketball being a basketball in the basketball world um and, and dealing with different cats like on, so a lot of my folks went my homies went pro you know top colleges all that's so Summer leagues, I'm out there balling with them and all that. and then you gotta just you just always have a lot of people hovering and hanging around. We don't know who these folks are. like whether they went to college with these cats or whether they represent them in business management. So it's a lot of conversation beyond basketball that happens. And so back then, um, you know, I was hearing about nonprofit because there were some cats that were like going to college, went to college with this dude that's about to get drafted number one, all this kind of stuff. And so we know what his career is gonna be is the NBA. And there's like his buddies that he grew up with or that he befriended in college, it's like roommates or whatever, and it's like, you know, what what are they going to do? And so we sitting on the sideline chit-chatting in between games, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a nonprofit," and I, you know, because they, and, and it, this, this, it was a white dude, white kid, and he was like, you know, we're encouraged to to do that while we're in college. And I had no idea what he was talking about because I'm like, we're not encouraged. So I don't know who is we, who's encouraging you. I, mean, I got so many questions to ask, but I'm like, okay, we'll come back to that because I didn't want to interrupt, you know, take over the whole floor just, you know, the homies on the sideline in between games. And so, but it, it always stuck with me like, what is he talking about? Then to run into hip hop and run to somebody else. You know what, do you, what? You you hear it when hip hop was brand new, first generation West Coast hip hop, so it's brand new. Everybody was excited, and so you know you get fans come up after the show or whatever, just say, "Oh, what do you, what do you do for a living?" Like enough about me, you know what I do? I was on stage. What do you do? Well, I'm in college right now. Okay, what you gonna do? Because I don't know. Maybe I'll either work for a nonprofit. Ultimately, I want to start. And it's like, wait a minute. Here's this nonprofit thing. What is this? Somebody's like like a sheepherder are shepherding these kids into these nonprofits. What is that? And then come to find out, you know, America as a country creates jobs for Americans. Um, So they direct a lot of uh, funding to the infrastructures of different industries and come to find out nonprofit is an industry just overall that creates a lot of jobs. Whatever it is, whether it's saving the trees, saving the whales, saving the humans, homeless humans. What the environment? I mean, there's just nonprofits saving the black
1: humans. You know <laughs> what I mean?
0: And so, which we don't have enough nonprofits for that, but because we're just now getting a, 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 a understanding of the information of the structure mm-hmm. and actually of the significant funding. It's like, mm-hmm. like for instance, the the Ford company, the Ford car company, you know, the automotive company. They actually have a non-profit, and most corporations in corporate America have this non-profit arm, so they don't look like they're just greedy little bastards. Excuse me, excuse my language. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I speak three languages, English, Ebonics, and File, mm-hmm. and they interchange, you know, so I don't know what type of podcast no, this all, is. No, so it's all
1: welcome here.
0: <laughs> I try to keep it PG when I talk, but no, so that you don't have to out. censor yourself here. Okay, cool. And so, so like Ford Foundation, they have, that's their non-profit wing, and they're one of the biggest donors- that gives out I don't know tens of millions to hundreds of millions every year, you know. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and there's so many different you know they started off as an offshoot of Microsoft when uh, Bill Gates was was you know the, over Microsoft and you just look at all these corporations. I'm pretty sure Amazon you know they you know all these funding just millions and millions of dollars and we at black folks as a people we don't know nothing about that. You know, we know we can go get the services that the nonprofits provide. You know, our kids can go to the Boys and Girls Club. Where does the Boys and Girls Club actually get their funding from, though? It's not, I mean, it's a whole network of folks that are successful that kick into this structure, this infrastructure, because it creates jobs for their kids and their families. Like, we don't think about that, and so it keeps them working. And so just overall nonprofit industries it's millions of Americans that are, well, you know, whether it's healthcare, uh, it, it just goes on and on. And so it's something that we have to look into as a people and say, hey, how can we get in there and benefit, especially to extract um, a lot of these resources that should come specifically to our communities? And we're missing out on a lot. The Latinos got that figured out. Our brown brothers and sisters, they war, they got some nonprofits, and they lobby and fight hard. They politic hard for their resources, mm-hmm. to the point. I mean, it, I mean, it's great, you know. Asian, our, our Asian brothers and sisters, same thing. I mean, we got some blacks up in there. I, you know, to me, it's like them bougie blacks. I don't know NAACP. Everybody, <laughs> I name names. I'm sorry, I don't know who y'all funders are. <laughs> You the beep, do- oh, beep, and I'm naming they beep, edit that out, beep, what are you doing? Who is this guy? Hey, so we have to put a disclosure, the views of General Jeffs are his exclusively. Nah, it has nothing no, to so do with good. Slauson, girl. No, it it, it, it pl-
1: does, shout out to the bougie blacks, <laughs> shout out to y'all. And it's
0: like, so I mean, so they getting it, but they hoarding it. That part. And that's where it's like, okay, man, we got generations and generations of able-bodied you know, whether it's HBCU, you know, black colleges. Hello. I mean, we got some black folks with brains and that Brit. know how to that can do some things, and we just with with the we just short of a little capital, a little, to really get something started. And instead of trying to open up a business, which is it's hard to open up a regular for profit business, I'm just we just gonna sell uh gold jewelry. It's it's hard, you know, because that's that's you got to build a business. The nonprofit industry at the end of the day, you just need a bomb ass, excuse me, you just need a, a, a qualified uh, grant writer. <laughs> Somebody can write grants, you just submitting grants. And then the whole thing is if you make if you're know not a negotiated deal, it's like, well, you, maybe you pay him a couple of coins or something, but just to get them, you know, up in your in your space. But at the end of the day, write your salary in the grant. Mm-hmm. So if you write me for 100000 dollars and you want me to pay you forty thousand, then write the grant for hundred and forty thousand. When we get that grant, you extract your 40 and I get my hunt. Bam. Everybody had bam. And then, oh, that hit. And then a lot of times with these funders like Ford Foundation, once you get in their rotation, they'll be like, oh, you're just the type of applicant. We be like, hopefully you'll apply again next year. Mm-hmm. And they be looking, checking for. So once you get in the city, all of a sudden you just hit the same, you don't have to go look in different places. It's like okay, Grant Rider, we don't need you no more. We can still I could just say same as last year, and then get that one forty, and then all of a sudden I don't want to cut nobody out, but there's a lot of non profit. It's it's oh it's a, it's it's an it's an amazing game, the nonprofit hustle. There's A lot of game out there with that, and so. But my whole thing is I try to speak on it in all to any and all audiences, so that we can start taking a hard look at that because they got grants for like there's certain you know on now social media. Back in the days, it was just books that just would print this information out. And, you know, even just like with college uh, scholarships, mm-hmm. you know, scholarships, you know, grants, it's all in the same thing that's come you know, I'm left-handed, so I remember I'm looking at left-handed scholarships, like left-handed grants. Oh, cause somebody that died with a, with oodles and oodles of money, gazillions, and they were like, I wanna give back, but I want somebody that's you know fits my person. So I'm gonna give a million dollars every year to a left-handed something, something, something. So that's part of the requirements. You gotta be left-handed. You submit for that. Are you left-handed? Yes. Approved. It's like, oh wow, just if <laughs> I'm left-handed, mm-hmm. I got like a fifty thousand just for being left. It. It's it's amazing how 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 easy it is once you get in a rotation.
1: So at what point do we start to see kind of the Negative, like undertones of the nonprofit world, specifically when it comes to the homeless.
0: Sure, that's now that's a great segue. Ooh, that's a beautiful question. See, that's why I love Slauson Girl because <laughs> get right to it, like you said. And so the thing about that is, and again, America is a, a country that's based on a system of capitalism, and so there's nothing but opportunities out here. Is like. You know, it's all about hustlers. Like we hustle, we, you know, black folk, I'm from the streets of South Central, you know, you got to have a hustle. You got your main hustle, your side hustles, you know, whatever, <laughs> your legal hustles, I'm just saying, your illegal, hustle. hey, I'm just saying, folks, it's hustle. All nationalities is like that. A lot of people hustle jobs, they hustle, you know, contacts, networks. When it comes to the nonprofit, those that don't know, once you know, then it's a matter of going to these fundraising parties, these social, you know, when they they're, they're networking parties, hmm. that's what you got to have your business card and you bam and you talk to folks and you network that the exchange of information. I'm not there to meet and greet. Hey, I like your suit. Where'd you get your suit from? I want a suit and tie like that. Damn the suit and tie, bro. Where'd you get the funding to be able to buy that suit? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the funding sources. And so, but but America, just being able so much opportunity for capitalism, there's automatically built in the uh the uh the need for greed greed automatically just just all of a sudden over the last 50 years has just uh multiplied to just this level that's beyond normalcy hmm. there was always greed built into capitalism but now it's just gotten to this rate where greed is 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 expected more so than you know, the the front. It used to be greed within a front. It's just like the structure of again, we're talking about corporate America, having these nonprofit wings. Now you just got nonprofits that's out there just getting it. Hmm. Whatever they can whatever they can get a grant for. So if they know like this, oh, we want to uh, build a space for homeless people, shelter. Okay, great. So they want to do that. But then it's like, well there's a million dollar grant for uh tree planting. And then all of a sudden, they're writing grants, trying to get that million dollars. Like we plan on, you know, planting trees all throughout this space. Then when they get that grant, they may plant one tree, you know, and then keep the rest of that funding. And it's like it's not even about the tree. But the, then the thing is, they're taking away from other nonprofits that really their primary focus is trees, right? And really helping the environment. And they're like, man, we're not trying to. Help. We plant one tree, we help the environment. Give me the rest of that coin. And right. so now. Because now there, because there's like little to no oversight, you know mm. everything is deregulated. So the federal government, you know, oh, we don't want the federal government, you know, just you know heavy-handed monitoring the nonprofit. And you know, if my nonprofit thing is, oh, we're giving back, we're helping society. Why would you be heavily regulating us? Mm. And like, yeah, you got a good point. You're do-gooders. We, we'll look, we'll look for the criminals, or we'll regulate the banks and the other. You know, Wall Street and the other because it's money and then it just the nonprofits is making a killing. So, like, for instance, in Skid Row, the homeless, you know homeless nonprofits, um, the CEOs and executive directors are making six figure salaries as much as two and three hundred thousand dollars per year. And it's like, and so then you know then they always again, as long as homelessness continues, that's job security for them. Right. So are they really trying to help? End homelessness, even though that's what they say on their mission statements and all their marketing slogans and campaigns. Smiling on the camera and photo hopping. Oh, we helping. Homeless. They may help five, one, two, or a few, you know, that photo op with a group of it, the, but then the rest of everybody want what about the other people that are that we see driving up and down the street or walking out the street that are mm. practically left for dead, looking like it's third world, you know, country con- type conditions. Hmm. And it's like, well, they're not within our four walls. If they're faith-based, we'll we'll say a prayer for them and, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff. Oh, man. It, and it's sad to me. And it hit me as a human being. Mm-hmm. I'm not connected to nothing. I'm a human being born and raised in this universe. Right. And I care about my fellow human beings. And it's like, for folks to break it down, oh, you got to be a, a member of our program, because that way, when you sign up for, to be a member of, of some nonprofit's program, that means now they you boost their numbers. Now they can make money off you. Mm-hmm. If you're not a member of their program, they pfft, you because the whole thing is they don't want to. It's competitive, it's capitalism. So mission A is not gonna support mission B's clients, even if they pass by and see mission B's clients in the middle of the streets, or even out stay out Oh, and everybody knows this person is connected to mission B. Mission ain't gonna—they just gonna walk right by him and not even help him. And it's like, I mean, that's a human being in need. Help him, right. but like no, because they're gonna—you give that person resources. They're gonna run back over to mission B, and then mission B will look like they provided those resources. So you're taking our resources, and it gets real petty, real petty like that. Hmm. And it just, you know, but so that's when I'm like, we need some more, especially in Skid Row. Skid Row has been historically since the crack epidemic in the '80s majority black community mm-hmm. and you know city of los angeles we see all these famous celebrities and athletes and rappers right. and the, yeah i'm calling I mean, am yeah i'm talking about y'all <laughs> my brotherhood and all that but hey i'm day one there wasn't no money in rapping back in 80s so don't look to me to fund everything but you got a lot of folks living good is what i'm saying and they don't even they, they're not even aware that the skid row is the homeless capital of america is majority black community and when i got to skid row I looked at the the two, I got there in August 2006. So I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the census numbers. I'm looking at all, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, they're doing the homeless count back then. It was back then it was every two two years. And so I banged on them right away. So what y'all saying is homeless people only matter every other year because they getting that funding every year. And if they get you in the system, like I say, they end you, oh, we'll come back again. You already approved for next year. So you get a two year and then the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority is—they uh, get uh, three, three hundred to four hundred million dollars every year. Wow! So why are y'all not counting every year then? Is it just why is it just the same cronyism? And I and I bless. So now they count every year because okay. General Jeff said so. But and so you got all you know h- historically Skid Row is, is is black, and it's like, well, my whole thing is if black folks really took care of black folks, you know, th- them are people on them sidewalks. What are we doing? So I'm like, we need black missions. We need black social service providers, black nonprofits to get in. NAACP ain't fighting for us in Skid Row. Why would we give a damn about them? Hmm. You know, I'm on the front lines. I'm also like, I remember, you know, I'm August 2006 when I started just in Skid Row. I was still doing, you know, my community activism my own way before that in South Central. I remember in 2013 when Black Lives Matter was born. Black Lives Matter has done more in Skid Row than NAACP. You know, Urban League and Brotherhood Crusade. Oh, they may do something with the big missions or the big nonprofits. We in the streets, though. They inside the buildings. We talking about the people in the streets that are left for dead. When we mm. talk about COVID, I know we're gonna get into some of these other topics, you know, in a bit. But it's like, where who's helping them? And then that's just us, the grassroots, the actual activists. You know, it's the activists that push that defund the police. It's the activists that activated the the, the, the streets. With a uh, mm-hmm. George Floyd protest, it wasn't no black preachers. Can't stand the black preachers all up in they, in they churches. You know, getting that money from their congregations. Especially <laughs> these these uh mega black churches in L.A. Like Skid Row is majority black. Where are y'all at? I banged on them so hard. One, I ain't I ain't gonna Faithful Central. I ain't gonna name names. But anyway, <laughs> they uh connected with Union Rescue Mission and had doing some preaching out of there a little bit. To the people that's inside the four walls, what about us on the street? You totally missed the point. But Union Rescue Mission was happy because, uh, oh, well, we can ch- check that box. Now, General Jeff, it's not applying. Whatever General Jeff says is not applying to us. We've got a black preacher. We... <laughs> and then they're, like, they're using that nonprofit network to try to cancel out our voice, the voice of the people. I blast on them anyway. And so hmm. it's sad. But
1: So yeah. let's talk a little bit about Lhasa. You mentioned Lhasa which is the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, which is basically the main, you know, organization by this funded, you know, through the city that is focusing on homelessness. So this is the city's arm of helping the homeless, LASA. Um, You mentioned their salary or how much money that they're allocated to address homelessness. I also want to talk about, Measure HHH, which the voters um, approved in two thousand and sixteen, mm-hmm. which gave um, the city of LA access to one point two billion dollars in bonds, okay, to address the homeless crisis in Los Angeles. I um I want to talk about Lasa, but since we're talking about uh, tr- Triple H, I want I have the um city controller's website and he did an audit, um, in 2018, I believe. And, um, it was some interesting things that I, I thought was interesting in here, which one of them was, um, saying that basically he found an issue in decentralized accounting authority, and I quote, he says that another issue we identified during the, oh, this is the 2017-2018 financial audit, was a structural weakness where no single city department is responsible for program-wide accounting decisions. And um, it mentions, you know, one, One department as well as another that were fulfilling the corresponding accounting activities. It says, however, administration of the facilities component of the Proposition HHH program is split between the office of the city administrative officer, which oversees program operations, and the Board of Public Works Office and Accounting which is responsible for accounting-related activities. And then they have this in bold. This arrangement caused confusion during the audit, demonstration, demonstrated a lack of consistent understanding of the department's roles and responsibilities, and created unnecessary financial risk. And then they recommended um, that the city make some improvements, which they did. But it says, however, the lack of centralized accounting authority remains and may be pre- and may present problems in the future as additional funds are spent. I know that was pretty long winded. No,
0: oh, I got it. My but brain works.
1: M- m- like what what do you, what what comes to mind when you hear that?
0: Okay, well it, it, again there's a lot to unpack. But I'll get to it all. Um so so to start with Lasa, Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority is a collaboration of the city and the county. Okay. Um the county funds majority of that funding I believe it's 280 million per year and the city provides I believe it's 20 million. Per year. So it's 300 million per year, but they get additional funding so it it varies between 300 and 400 million. I like to just take, you know, it, like in accounting you don't round down, you round up. Right. So if I if it's $12, $12 and 2 cents that two cents is actually into that 13th dollar. So in accounting, it's not $12, it's $13. They just, just you just round, round up. up. So, okay, $400 million what LASA distributes to its its network of cronies. I mean, allies, I mean, qualified nonprofits, right. social service providers that do stuff across L.A. County. And, yeah, so in L.A. County, there's 88 cities. In they including the city of Los Angeles 88 cities in Los Angeles County and they all you know split up that funding and that in and of itself is is just a debacle and what right now what we're pushing is for LASA to be disbanded <laughs> that money can be repaied we talking about defund police we talking about defund LASA to shut that down break bust that up that's ridic- it's absolutely ridiculous because at the end of the day you know the city can't tell the county what to do and the county can't tell the city what to do so there's this infighting that, that it just there's no dominant entity. Mm-hmm. This county feels like they're the dominant entity because they're putting up the most money. Which understand? Well, I'm paying for everything. What are you doing? <laughs> I get that because that's how they'd be on the streets within mm-hmm. the city of LA. It's like, but if it's happening within the city of LA's borders, mm-hmm. the city of LA got control over the, the last say so over that. Mm-hmm. So how does county going to tell you paying for it? Yeah, but it's our bound within our boundaries. So there's never going to be, there's never going to be, um, uh, unity in, in terms of that, that mo. And so our whole thing, just bust that up, split that up. let's repurpose that money back into true investment in, in terms of homelessness. And you know, the nonprofits, you got there, you got to build this built in, um, oversight, Mm-hmm. Uh, transparency definitely so, and accountability. So that that's just on the last component. Okay, but now on the triple H to answer that part of your uh, question, and you know, I, and just so folks know, again, I've been in uh, on the front line since August two thousand and six. So in November two thousand sixteen was when a triple H was on the on the ballot. So it's a measure H H H for those keeping score at home, but we just call it triple H for short, not to be confused. So that the triple H. Is a Los Angeles city ballot initiative. The city, so let's you know, a lot of people don't know this. The city of Los Angeles provides the housing; is responsible for the housing. Los, the Los Los Angeles County is responsible for the services. So when we talk about housing by the city, it's the housing authority, um, the the uh, the housing department. All of that is the city. Um, The services is uh, like Department of Mental Health, Department of Public Health. Department of Health Services, uh, DPSS, Children and Family Services, all all of that, services, 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 that's the county. And so those things are separate. So the county, while the city had triple H that passed and voter approved in November 2016, the companion piece of that was LA County that passed single H, measure H, um, which passed in March of 2017 so we want to get those clear so triple h was 1.2 billion dollars for housing for homeless folks
1: for the city to build for
0: the city of los angeles to build correct okay. uh, a single h was well they say uh 300 they anticipated to be 350 million dollars per year for 10 years which oh, had wow. 355 million per year it's a, a, a marijuana tax
1: and that money goes to Lassa.
0: And no, 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 no. That money goes to the county. Okay. And then the county divvies that up how? Because it's going it. to be way more than what Lassa. The Lassa funding is automatically from a different funding pot.
1: Of where? Uh, from where?
0: From the county. Okay. So let's see if I can remember this right, because it's a lot of numbers. So the, you know, everybody, every ta- every two weeks, we, you know, we the people, we work, we get our paycheck. Every paycheck, Uncle Sam takes taxes and I got to look at that number because I think what they're telling us they're taking is a lot less than what they're actually taking. We just lazily haven't, nobody's actually done the the, the math. But anyway, so from that money, uh, Uncle Sam distributes funding to all 50 states, and here would be the Sacramento, to California, state of California. Sacramento so is where the state So why we didn't get no more money so in the stimulus chain? The, 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 right, we're gonna get there. <laughs> we really need to touch on that. It, that, that's that's it's it's absolutely insane. Um, so the state of California, I believe its annual budget is around 170 billion dollars. Um, so then you come down to so there's local, state, and federal uh, uh, politics. So that's the state level. Then on the so in Los Angeles local level, it's uh, the county of Los Angeles. Again, it got 88 cities, including the city of Valley. Its annual budget is 30 billion dollars. Hmm. And then within, so that they get that and they fund it, you know, keep the, of course, the LA County keep their own facilities going and then they distribute that to um, the different cities, 88 cities. The city of LA, I believe their budget is a slightly less than $10 billion. Hmm. Um, and, and this happens every year. So when it gets that funding and so when the mayor puts together, his, you know, his annual budget, you know, LAPD and... Whatever it else they go for, And LAPD gets the majority of it. Cause, oh my God, public safety. Oh my God, and it's like, man, look, we got potholes. You know, it's a whole lot of infrastructure. Like, it's a whole lot of stuff we can do. And so, when that that funding is divvied up every year, so out of that money that comes out, Lasa is already written into those budgets, uh, the city's budget and the county's budget every year. Mm. Triple H and Single H were totally separate ballot initiatives like a one-time ballot initiative that the voters went to the polls and approved. November 9, 2016 for Triple H, March uh, 2017 for Single H. So then there's separate funding pots from these other funding pots we just mentioned. So Triple H is $1.2 billion specifically for housing for homeless people. Um, Single H, again, is marijuana tax. Um, so, so Triple H was property tax, a uh, millionaire's tax, property tax on millionaires. Um, and so technically, like, we didn't really pay in that, but we voted to approve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we the people. And so $1.2 billion there. Uh, the marijuana tax, Single H, uh, was to generate $355 million over 10 years. At the end of the day, that's $4 billion. So $4 billion that the county gets to split up. So no, that money doesn't automatically go to Lassa. 'Cause LA County can do it. That's too much money for LASA if they can only handle if they only get four hundred million dollars a year, you know, four billion dollars is way above their pay grade. So we don't know what's going on with that four billion dollars. Um so then once we understand where all this funding pots are, and then we look at, okay, well, and then separate from that, out of LA County's budget, what did I say their budget was? was a 30 billion dollars mm-hmm. so um roughly around that so like department of mental health will take that because a big thing. oh these homeless folks mentally ill oh my god D- department of mental health department of mental health's annual budget that comes from l.a county services is three billion dollars you know so that means every 10 years department of mental health gets 30 billion dollars I look around. I don't see thirty billion dollars on the street.
1: Uh, I Trust see and belief. Is-
0: if Slosson girl got thirty billion dollars every ten years, you see logos, man. <laughs> you see, man, he, man, Slosson girls everywhere. I don't see DMA. I don't well, see. I, do I don't even see, know what that logo I looks see,
1: like. I see homeless people that are, you know, out of their minds. So yeah, are the see- services? Right, we don't $3 see three million no dollars a year. I should see, be. A, I
0: right. had somebody on every other block. Definitely, in somebody in every community. And I'm not talking about. And the, and the thing about government is the same structure as these nonprofits. Oh, it's whatever's going on inside our four walls. Oh well, if they come inside our four walls, we'd be more than that. We're right here in the community to help them, and we'd be probably be growing up, walking right by these facilities. We don't even know what they, but it's the nicest, cleanest, brand new building, right. well landscapes. Right. It looks great. Has anybody ever been in it? What, what do they do? <laughs> the such and such and such and such. Like who who are they? But it is. Stick your like head right the door. And then you come to find out <laughs> that's where all the funding for the hood is going. Right. To these folks, they ain't even stepped outside and waved the flag. Hey, come on in. Right. We got the resources. Let like let's do something. Right. So then it's only them and then they'll make then when the you know the black preachers find out. The way the black preachers find out is because the politicians need that black vote, and, and historically it's always been oh the black vote is in the black church. Right. So other, other and if you want the black community, so they'll come by photo up with all the top churches. Mm-hmm. Other than that, man, we that's the black. I've done enough. So and so the black church, the black pastors have their own network. Somehow they you know are in favor, and then they get funding, They qualify whether it's through the mayor's office. You know, and through the politicians coming through the mayor, the governor, whoever. And then so they're taken care of. And then, you know, the nonprofits, again, are taken care of. And so then we would look at Triple H and Single H. So what uh, the controller Galpern was saying, um, he's saying like, hey, because you've got both the city and the county, you know, you know, basically control, supposedly like controlling everything. Well, it's like, okay, I may have fifty dollars on it and. You know, you got $20 on it, but it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of short. Like, I got 30 on it, but I'm gonna keep this $20 for a rainy day. You only putting up 10. So on the books, we writing 30 and 10, 40, but we actually have 50 and 20 and 70. That's money is missing. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, there's financial risk involved because who's overseeing the people that's accounting the money? Mm-hmm. And it's like, so there's no, there's no checks and balances structure in place that can make them, you know, transparency is is at that point is, is comes into play. And so what they did was we fought. So again, I oppose Triple H. I've seen it coming. I'm like, these ain't, this none nothing but snake oil salesmen and they still selling snake oil and we taxing ourselves. My whole thing, y'all already got billions of dollars funding pots that y'all messing off. Why give y'all one point, a whole new billion dollar funding pot of new money that it's insane, and then then triple H, I mean, single H came behind that four billion dollars. That's combined five point two billion dollars. And both of these supposed to be ten year programs. And you know, from November two thousand sixteen, this is 2021. twenty. We're like past the four year mark. We almost at the halfway mark of a ten year plan. We we into year five. And the accounting, you round up. We're in the year five, so we're at the halfway point. In ten thousand, they supposed to be. Where's the housing? Where's the money going? So when we fought this before, before when it hit the ballot, I'm fighting, I'm doing fighting against United Way, you know, Because so they have the local nonprofits, you have national nonprofits, and you have international nonprofits. So a local nonprofit would be like the missions and shelters, social service providers, you have the national nonprofits like the uh, United Way, uh, you know, the international nonprofits, the Red Cross, the all poverty pimp, you know, there's no shame in the game. General Jeff is public enemy number one because I'm <laughs> spitting the game. I'm telling the truth. I'm spilling all the beans. They're all poverty pimping and so United Way, and I can run that. that and trust me, they know I I didn't went head up with them. And so I'm I'm going. I'm doing. I'm on other media outlets. We're doing debates in terms of I'm like no on. on it's funny. I'm not even really into politics because at the end of the day, you know, when the smoke clear, you know, we still on the boot on on the front lines, boots on the ground. Putting in the work. Ain't no politicians there. Ain't no not y'all not y'all in your four walls. Y'all not out in the streets. Gotta get out in the streets. And so anyway, um, but I had to go, you know, I'm no on uh uh prop on Triple H. These cats oh, of course they're for it, because they already know it's gonna go to the city, which means it's the city is governed by the mayor, and they got the mayor connected to their bosom. And so whatever they push, cause, you know, so so it's a lot to unpack, but I'm just breaking it down. I'm just dumping it out there. We can slow it down based on Slauson Girls' pace. I don't know. I'm just sharing the information. So there's no non there's no politician that is run on a platform as a campaign a campaign as an expert on homelessness. So you know if they're you know they're run like, oh we're gonna create jobs oh we you know improve our education you know they all this typical random stuff. But they can't say, well, I personally was, you know, worked with the homeless or I did so they don't they don't know. There's there's not one of them that can speak to as an expert on homelessness. So they, they have, have to So they have to they rely. Have so they have to rely on their nonprofit partners to uh that have the, the you know in the homelessness field that have the quote unquote track record. And so then the Namair lean connect with the United Way. United Way would do a whole bunch of stuff and say, Oh, you know. Every walk with, rest in peace Kobe Bryant, walk with Kobe Bryant and end homelessness. And then people donate money to United Way to walk around to just get a photo out with Kobe and they not even walk around like Skid Row where no homeless people at. They over by USC and Exposition Park. But then all of a sudden every year they they raise fundraising and then, so it legitimizes their track record like United Way is doing so much every year uh, you know, to end homelessness. And so then this becomes their marketing campaign, which is just a slogan, You know, everyone in. You know everyone in, and so then all of a sudden the mayor's pushing everyone in. Why? Because he's connected to United Way, and that validates. It looks like it's you know it's it it justifies his resume, and so then this mayor he's got one foot out the door, hoping to get to Washington D.C. Uh, with the Democratic ticket that's about to take over the White House, and so he's just trying to do big ticket items to make it look like he's doing stuff. So the, going back years, we've seen it all coming. So we're like no on Triple H, and then 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 other allies were like, well if you're going to prove this. Um we need a uh a a, a a a triple h oversight committee put together a committee that's gonna watch over this money and what the the mayor and the city council members did. they handpicked their cronies and buddies to be on the oversight committee, and so they're you know they, we thought it was gonna be us on the front lines holding them accountable, like check the numbers, check the data and it it was a farce even before when they when they announced who was on the committee and it was like, ah. Oh. That's basically your sister, your auntie. <laughs> they're not finna hold you accountable. It's your family, That's your next door neighbors. That's the, you know, the lady in the choir and that that ain't oh man. And so I walked away from all that. And so we still got allies that still pounding the podium, wagging a finger, trying to hold them accountable. And it's like that money, so one point two billion dollars. Um uh, the before uh controller Galpern's audit in twenty eighteen in 2017 because we were saying hey we got to audit them you know we audit them because we know it's it's not right they came out and announced in 2017 the C. then the ceo was uh miguel santana and he came out and he because you know hey we were you know wagging our finger in his face and he got to keep it when he's a good dude good-hearted dudes it's like he's not with the corruption and all that and so it's his job to you know tell the truth keep it 100 and he kept it 100 and what what come to find out out of his audit Was that $1.2 billion every It's a 10 year program. And in year three, they said every penny was already, this was actually an audit after year two. And they said every penny was already allocated. And it was like $1.2 billion? It's already gone? It's already out. Yeah, it's gone. How is it in year two? It's already. So what they did was they already divvied up that money that they anticipate over the next 10 years and they pre selected. Who was going to get the funding and who wasn't? So people, you know, so like real estate developers were were putting in uh, proposals. We're going to provide some affordable housing here. Some we're going to do a project over there. We're going to include a couple of units there, and then you include a couple of units, you qualify for some. It's low income only. Here yeah, we're going to house, you know, a couple of, but they got a luxury joint with you know, full, you know hundreds of uh, units. But then we had a couple of. A uh, low income you know house some other. oh, so we get some triple h funding and some, the city, oh sure, oh sure, uh, gone, all the funding is gone, and so you know, if we come together like, oh, 1.2, but we should put something together if we're black and I'm probably trying to house our people it it triple H is gone, and so as you say' it's a, a bonds a GO bond it's a general obligation bonds, and that's where you know it basically is it, it's free from you know specifics, from limitations. And so they can take, they can play with it. It's it's, it's house money, and they move this around here, and knowing that they can somehow, you know, flip it back and and, and replace that later on, um, on the goodness, the kindheartedness of their name as representatives for the city of Los Angeles, and then they moving around and just shucking it. Oh man, it's always cold blooded, and that's what we don't we as a people we don't know again about politics, about nonprofits, shuffling money it's a money game. And that's what we don't know in terms of economics. It's a whole lot that we don't know, folks.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the homeless and COVID. Do you think that the nonprofits and LASA and the different organizations have been really trying to help the homeless population during this pandemic? Or do you feel that they're kind of like left out there to fend for themselves?
0: Well, in the beginning, no. At the beginning, they let they weren't doing anything. They're like, oh well, we can't even get no mask. Oh well, um, when we get some masking, masking, we'll let you know next. You know, it's just, could you close the door on your way out? Like, <laughs> oh, okay. And you know, then when the numbers first did blow by March, okay, the April, it's like, wait a minute, the numbers. Uh, wait a minute, this is serious. Like, what's going on? It's spread out around the world, and so then finally, you know, oh, well. You know they had to take care of the oh we got to take care of our employees, you know because inside their four walls first we got to take care of our program anyway. What about the people on the streets? And then finally by May, folks started pulling up with masks, and the mayor's office finally kicked in. And but the testing wasn't still, you know, it's, they still weren't testing in kid Rowan. so all of the numbers are coming in for all these other communities. And I you know I I know the. uh the director of uh, Department of Public Health, uh, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. And it's like, um, you know, I was an L.A. County appointed official from 2015 to 2017. So when she first got put on, she came and presented to uh, my, my uh, advisory board. And so, um, so, I know her, we keep in touch, anybody come before me, let me get, you got that card <laughs> networking like the entertainment industry, let me get that card, let me get your assistance card, let me, who is it, you with her, let me get your card too. Great, I'll be in touch, and I have it, well, me personally, I have a 24 hours rule, if I get your card, I'm going to hit you back within 24 hours, and then that email goes, hey, it was great meeting you at this such and such meeting where you presented to us and talked about the that that that. so even if I don't remember, I can go years later go back into my archive and pull that email up and I can see when we met, how we met, what the topic was, and that's going to refresh my memory. And but like, hey, remember me? I'm the guy that you met at when you came and presented before the because I already got it spelled out in my initial email. 24 hours while it's fresh and then a lot of times people get right back to you right immediately because it's fresh on their minds too. They was just there yesterday, 24 hour rule. But when you let weeks and weeks go by, they go into different meetings, meeting different. Oh yeah, whatever. They may, may not even respond. And so I've been a, a, a great at uh, building a rapport with folks. And so Barbara Ferris. So it's like, hey, we need them Skid Row specific numbers. What's going on with COVID? Oh, we don't have those. And you know, she have her staff delegate. They'll come back to us and say a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's like, man, we need these numbers. Where's the test? So then finally, they were so slow to respond. Then finally, they got it in gear. And then all of a sudden there was an outbreak at the Union Rescue Mission, and it was like a, one employee and a couple of uh, st- uh, uh, guests, uh, not only were they infected, because they wound up later on dying. Three people died, and then um, uh, a whole bunch of other folks were infected.
1: How long ago was this?
0: Uh, this was in um, May of 2020. And then later, so, so my whole thing was, oh, they need to shut the mission down, empty it out, disinfect it. From top to bottom, completely. Like if COVID is all up in there, it's just going to continue.
1: And the mission for people that don't know is like the largest homeless <sighs> shelter in downtown LA. Well, there's there's Non-profit? there's there's
0: three of them. Union mm-hmm. Rescue Mission is one. Of them. There's also the Midnight Mission. There's also the Los Angeles Mission. Mm-hmm. There's a Fred Jordan Mission, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit. We'll get back into them when we talk about this uh, super spreader event that mm-hmm. they were. Claim to not be a part of, but from the visual, it looked like they was a part of it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but yeah, Union Rescue Mission. So I'm like, yo, you got yo, yo, you got to shut that thing down. We can save our people. And then the the CEO over there came out. I was like, oh, we got under control. We're gonna just reduce our uh our population in half. Which you know, at the end of the day, we come to find out, they just kicked a lot of people out on the street. And it was like, yo, man, you can't. What do y'all like house them? Like, what do y'all? Oh, man, it's just, so anyway, okay, then it seemed like everything was under control, and then we just found out uh, less than 30 days ago, there was another outbreak, and, you know, so the number was over 100 people had COVID up in there, and so we don't even know the new numbers, is this the new, new numbers, or are these the new numbers after that first initial batch, and so we can't tell, and it's like Department of Public Health we need to know. We not only on this facility, but we want to know Skid Row specific numbers. I just fired off uh, um, an email uh, two days ago. Again, you know, because we keep hitting them. We need to know the numbers. Skid Row specific numbers. Skid Row specific numbers. Because they got the got Skid Row breaking down. The warehouse district is part of the industrial district. Is another part. The toy district. it's like, man, if you got Little Tokyo and you know, Arlington Heights and all. If they got their their communities, and and no disrespect to them, but they've got their accurate numbers. How can not Skid Row, which is the homeless capital of America, how can we not have some Skid Row specific numbers? So how so is... we question Department of Pu- Public Health's uh, uh, their their, their uh, truth and honesty and in, in, in what role they play in all of this?
1: So how is the homeless community? in LA been dealing with the pandemic? I mean, you talk about pre-COVID, the community was, I mean, it looks like a third world country down there. Um, A lot of these encampments with the tents and, you know, the piles of trash and the lack of access to public restrooms, you know. So you, you talk about already living with those conditions and then a global pandemic where everything's even, you know, access to resources are like, Almost diminished completely. How has the homeless community been dealing with the pandemic?
0: Well, you know the one thing about I will say about Skid Row, and and, and, and no, I'm not. Well, you could say I'm biased. Of course, it's gonna sound like I'm biased, but because um, I'm one of them. But the, but the, the community activists in Skid Row on the front lines, we doing a heck of a job. Um, holding holding the, our, our elected officials accountable. Um, speaking up. What you know, letting the them into the news media. You know, Sloss and girl included to let folks give real time information on the truth of what's really going on, and at the same time, you know, walking the streets. I literally just before I came to this interview from Skid Row, and when I got done, when I get done, I'm going right back to the streets of Skid Row. And so, um, you know, so we got the real time information, and we going hard. And so, um, then not to mention it's the the winter and rain season is finna come, so the natural normal flu season. That's coming, like you said, so pre-COVID, you know, our whole thing is, you know, Triple H. They talking about these shelters. We don't want shelters. We want housing, our own individual rooms. So now they're talking about socially distancing. Well, if we would had our own individual rooms, that's exactly what we're talking about. Apartment put some shovels in the ground. When you talk about these shelters, they're like dormitories that you got hundreds of people smashed together on cots, whether it's bunk bed style stacked up or what have you. And it's like, man, nah, you can't socially distance that way. And you can't, they're just trying to get people's quote unquote indoors by like by any means necessary. No disrespect to Malcolm X on that. But, you know, and it's like, but that there's an appropriate way to do it. And these shelters, so the thing that, that, that the most, uh, the most pissed off part about it is the way they're building these new shelters is where they're getting the funding from. It's coming, they're spending, they're redirecting measure Triple H funding that's supposed to go towards like literally low-income housing units. They're taking that funding away and redirecting it and use it because there's on. So then I went back and looked at the language when they were promoting Triple H and you look at the, the small print way down at the bottom says that they can also use this funding for shelters in the interim. While they're trying to get these actual units built And so a lot of people don't know about, you know, this pilot uh, development So in terms of low income, you know, it's just apartment building Um, It takes about three years minimum in terms of low income housing It takes about three years to build And so, you know, that's where the city's like, well, in the meantime We still got to get the people off the street So we're just going to redirect this, get some shelters going And put up some big, large tents, you know, canopies and the people can just move inside and put the resources and the canopy. Yeah, big old like a circus tent, mm. and then move people inside. They're calling it the mayor. You know, the mayor's calling it like it's his old oh, bridge bridge housing. So mm. it's like a bridge. Like you get start here, then you, you cross over and you end up there. But if you taking using the money that's for for the the actual housing and use it on these circus tents, there's no money going to be left for for the housing and. And it's uh, that doesn't make sense. Right. Like if you got money for for some chili cheese fries, but you say, oh, I'm just going to spend, let me just buy this bubble gum right quick, Mm -hmm. and you just buying bubble gum, bubble gum, bubble gum, bubble gum, eventually you're not going to have the money for the chili cheese fries that you promised everybody you was going to get.
1: Right. So how do you feel that the city has said that they're not going to be doing a homeless count this year because of the coronavirus pandemic?
0: Homeless count is a farce anyway. I've been outspoken against them, and so, the whole, well, the whole thing is, again, like when I talked about I was outspoken against United Way and I, oh, walk with uh, Kobe Bryant and in homelessness. A lot of folks don't know. <laughs> Going back to my basketball world, they don't know, General Jeff got reach. It, I just try to make it look like my reach. I barely got followers on social media. No, I got reach, but they don't know that. And so, Kobe Bryant, we know some, a lot of the same folks. He played pro basketball in LA, I'm born in LA, We basketball world is is not that big. And so I reached out to Kobe, and I told him. And so I'm like, "Hey, bro, um, you don't know this nonprofit hustle game, but they used it. you, you, you you're effing off your legacy by letting these folks, these nonprofits, use use you and exploiting your fame to get these, you know, to to pimp a uh, a uh, uh, homelessness." And you know, when I broke it down to him, he, you know, he 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 was hesitant at first, of course. Cause you know he's like, but well, they're a big organization. They're you know, way anyway, they're known all over the world. About... Hey, man, hey, they okay. They're poverty pimping all over the world. Okay, I'm just I'm, the truth is the truth. I'm not concerned about them. I'm talking about your legacy, cause this, I'm giving you real time information. If you want to roll with them, that's cool. I just feel like you need to have the real information. Of course, they're not gonna tell you what they're doing, but I'm just telling you right now, bro. That when you think about it, when after they raise a million dollars every time these people pay. To photo op with you because your name's on. If your name wasn't on it, would they raise millions of dollars every year to walk around? And how does and, and how does? Let me ask you this, Cole, How does walking around help end homelessness? And that's when I got in the light bulb because you know he's a deep thinker. That's when the light bulbs went off, and he was like he couldn't answer the question. I Like yeah, your name is on you. The you the they using you. You standing side by side with United Way. You're saying walk with me. And end homelessness. How does walking around end somebody? Because at the end of the day, when they get done walking, all them people they go home to their warm, cozy homes. And them home homeless, homeless people, we still gonna be homeless. So they so that's so That's when the bam light bulbs started. Oh oh oh, hold up, yo, hold up. Did you know about? It? He asked me, did you know about this? Did it, y'all got me? Said hold up. So <laughs> so, just long story short, all of a sudden that year, because it was already scheduled to happen. And uh Kobe Bryant came up with an injury that he couldn't participate because it was a leg injury and he couldn't walk around. he need oh he's got to heal and work on his injury. And so he he canceled on that year and he never went back. Mm. So it's like, woo, we went for R. the Kobe. people. Cool. And so, you know, you know, and, and, and those are the types of things we do behind closed doors. And so when it comes to um COVID, um, you know, we're on the front line saying like, yo, we need these resources. Um, in terms of housing, like speed up the game. So when the global pandemic hit, you know, the city and the count they froze up. They're used to the normal uh, poverty pimping stuff. they not your global pand- I, 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 Everybody's looking around. OK, well, what's the plan? What are y'all going to do? You know, just before COVID hit that officially officially announced that it hit in March of 2020. In January of 2020, the heavens hit me. And so. Um. What there's this uh, uh, document called the Skid Row Interagency Disaster Plan, and so what I did was I reconvened that task force, a brand new task force, to update that plan. It was old, like over ten years old. It was old and outdated. I'm like, in case a disaster hits in Skid Row, we need to be prepared. There's new entities here. Some of the, the and I looked at the old plan. And it's old and outdated. The information some of these folks don't aren't even in Skid Row anymore. We need to make sure, like the walkie-talkies and radios, like who's keeping them, like what's we everything is working. We need, and I just convened that meeting in January, and so of course, overseas, technically well, on the timeline, COVID had already hit. I didn't even know about it, and then by the two months later, like oh, COVID hit, and so we had, of course we stopped having those meetings because it, it was too fast right upon us. But that shows our fingers on the pulse. Mm-hmm. It's like the heavens told us, something is coming, mm-hmm. get ready. And you know, these folks move slow because at the end of the day, they're not experts. Uh, you know, it's like, just cause they end up putting that position and they getting that paycheck, they don't know what they are doing. And at the end of the day, you got their, they have their understaff that's actually doing all the work, compile all the data, Give them a report, and they get the report, and then they'll show up in front of the photo op, or front of the you know board of county supervisors, or city council members, or the mayor, and then they'll just read what's on the paper. They don't, they didn't actually compile that inf- that data themselves. They didn't actually write that report. You know, or they may write with if they got time to rewrite it, do whatever. It's like, man, this is right. so. When we talk about the homeless count, so the homeless count is flawed off top, and I've been attacking it every. You know, so the, when I first got to Skid Row, the, oh, just. Uh,
1: FYI, we only have five minutes left.
0: Oh damn! Not even. Okay, so Mike Arnold was the. Uh...
1: And I still want to ask you a question about the institutional racism adding to the homeless. Right, acts.
0: and we even got to the super spreader. So let me just finish up real quick. So Mike Arnold was the executive director of Lassa. We ran him out of there. They replaced him with Peter Lynn. We ran him out of there, and we're like, "Hey, we need a, a woman in there because apparently the men can't get it done." So now they've got a a female over there, and so. But the whole thing is. You but know, they still they're, don't they're have not diversity because because the whole thing is because of COVID. See, Lassa does their homeless count, you know, with volunteers. They got all that funding, and then y'all not paying people to walk around counting homeless people. Where's your staff at? Why don't y'all count them? Why does it take so long? Oh, you know, to do the, to get the data. Like, what's going on? So all that's a farce. And so the whole thing is the volunteer. They already knew the volunteers ain't showing up to walk out there and be exposed to COVID. If it's a shelter at home, how you gonna count homeless people? So. That's not, so of course, yeah, that was the smartest thing to do was to cancel it this year. Plus, it's a farce anyway. So anyway, but that's that's why they didn't do it this year and we're okay with it. So because we don't want volunteers, you know, random people to be exposed to COVID. Right.
1: Definitely. So one thing I do want to touch on before we end this particular episode is um, some of the language that is coming out of the um the statistics regarding the homeless in LA, in particular, the black community. um we're only eight percent of the population, but we represent over f- about forty two percent of the homeless rates in Los Angeles. And this is coming from Lhasa themselves and the New York Times also wrote a piece in two thousand and nineteen. Um, highlighting the institutional racism aiding in the disproportionate rates of Black people being homeless in LA. So when you hear things like that, you know, being from, you know, the community, like, how does that make you feel as a Black man, as a native of Los Angeles?
0: Well, again, when I started uh, my community activism, I checked the numbers, on um, the the, the two thousand census because the census is done every ten years. Um, the 2000 census, you know, when I checked that Skid Row specific numbers, um, they said Skid Row was 16.7% African-American, one 6.7. Knowing that Skid Row's majority African-American since the 80s with the crack epidemic, like 16.7, what are you talking about? And I'm, I live here, I'm moving around these streets, it's way more, like this is insane. So at that point in time, and they said at that time it was like 45.3 percent white I believe it's it and it's like these numbers that's this ridiculous it's disrespectful so right in there I know the the census is done by the federal government I'm like the federal government is is lying and so I blasted them did videos you know all of that stuff so in 2010 somehow all of a sudden uh blacks all of a sudden it rose up 30 percent it was a uh, 45.6. And so I, I blast the federal government again. What happened in the last 10 years that all of a sudden it was this 30% increase in the Democrat, knowing that it wasn't, but they raised it from 16.7 to 45.3. Like, yeah, they got to tell the truth a little bit because we on the front lines, our voice, we speaking out. And so then from there, and then they trying to get now, it's Lassa came out in 2017 and said Skid Row was up, uh, 76% African-American. So I'm like, now the number, here we go. Now we're getting closer. To the ballpark, but we we know that that numbers and data and statistics, all that stuff is fluff, mm-hmm. and they use it to frame any narrative, what have you. And so, I personally am not running around counting homeless people and counting the demographics. I would love to, but I mean, like, I'm not going to do that for free. There's so much, only so much I'll do for free. But it just hits me hard, like, okay, that's just disrespectful that they just pushing out false numbers.
1: Right. And so, you mentioned that Skid Row has been. Majority black since the 80s yes. due to the crack epidemic. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how the crack epidemic has made Skid Row to become majority black?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace, Gary Webb and uh, rest in peace, uh, Michael uh, uh, Rupert, that, uh, you know, they blew the cover off of it where uh, the CIA was bringing the dope to uh, the, the, to uh, South Central um you know they everybody points to freeway rick but uh, there were other, other 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 folks too and um the guns and all of that and so um in an LAPD were escorts that um would make sure that you know the dope got to where it needed to go and skid row was one of the landing spots and so um in 1975 um well in the mid 70s then governor ronald reagan shut down the state-run mental institutions um, because that system was all messed up and there was, there was a thing where parents could just sign away their teenage, oh, you being be in our, oh, they sign and make them a ward of the state. So when they ward of the state, they mean they can sign away, they take them in, oh, something's wrong, you know, teens rebel. Oh, they just want to go out to the party. I didn't feel, I ran away, snuck out the house with, oh, I'm signing, make you a ward of the state. So then all of a sudden you got a lot of quote unquote normal kids that's in these mental institutions getting doped up and getting raped, it's like, oh, it's crazy. So we the people, you know, back then was like, y'all got to shut this, this, shut them things that we can let the kids, like this is crazy, but when they did that, they let everybody out. And so then the well to do folks here in LA and Beverly Hills and the West Side was like, we don't want quote unquote them, the crazies running around, coming to our communities where our kids, our, our, our families and churches and schools. So the pilot to do something. We making a lot of campaign uh, contributions. So they created in 1975 the uh, Skid Row containment zone policy. Um, it's actual policy. And so what they did was basically say, "We'll keep everybody in this area because back then downtown wasn't this vibrant area. It was just the skyscrapers, and that was it." And you know, you know, um, so on, on on nights and on weekends, it was just a ghost town. And so then that's when it was a you know, they were so the whole thing L.E.P.D. was like entrusted don't let the you know we show up for work first thing monday morning make sure everything is the 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 city's not the skyscrapers aren't burned down um and now so the 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 skid row containment zone policy was like you know from from 3rd to 7th main alameda let them do keep them contained let them do whatever the hell they want to do and you know that way the rest of us you know are safe and so they had that designated area which was Skid row and that's how lapd polices the community to this day and then when the dope came in, they let folks get doped up and get high and do whatever in skid row. So that way they can harm themselves like a form of harm reduction, and which is funding for the harm reduction is a a, a recovery model. And then the rest of the uh, city was uh, deemed safe. And that's the model, what, what it's been to this day.
1: Wow. Okay, definitely. So we got to head out of here, but I do want to touch on real quick, the super spreader event that recently happened or is is being called a super spreader event. What was? um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Was it a pastor that was trying to have an event?
0: Uh, I'm not sure if he's a pastor, but I know it's this guy that sings. He's very popular, sings Christian songs, sings the gospel, and he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans and uh, goes around all over the world singing the gospel, praising Jesus Christ. So they took it upon themselves to come to, you know, during the holidays Want to come to Skid Row and they're anti-maskers, so they come out with no mask on and they want to come prey on our community members and sing and bring all their thousands of folks and we're like, no, 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 no. It's a global pandemic. We out of control with this COVID. We out of control with flu season and this COVID. We, we, we. Thanks, but no thanks. Like, like, keep it push. No, 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 no. If y'all gonna wear mask, cool. Y'all can pull up. If y'all not gonna wear mask, we, no, 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 son. We not doing that. And so they like you know our folks you know reached out to him led by Pastor Q, uh, Church Without Walls in Skid Row. That's our lead pastor in our community, and he reached out to him. No, no reply. No, not a respect. Oh, is disrespect involved? And then the guys doing interviews like, oh, we coming. we heard some some naysayers or some so-called activists, so-called. Like, wait, hold on, homie, what's that? Mm-hmm. So Pastor Q sounded the alarm, put the call and call for action. And the whole thing was, going we just going to block. They already gave up their position on what specific block they were going to come to. And it's like, well, we're going to pull up. We got allies and about over 100 cars pulled up, just blocked the whole street. And we started, you know, pray, pray got some, uh, a flatbed truck with some sound, with some speakers. And we just started pumping our energy and uh, we drowned their little thing out. So the dude never even showed up, you know, because it, it became this battle. The media got a wind of it. This was a big, huge deal and you know they were like just running up on homeless people sleep on the sidewalk and you met six or seven people. Jesus loves you. Jesus And it's like, y'all in there scaring people out of their deep sleep. <laughs> like, what in the heck are y'all doing? And y'all no mask on. And you all all close, point blank, blank range, <laughs> breathing on people. We don't know if y'all got COVID. We don't know what what is going. So, yeah, it was a super spreader event. And we pushed it out. We called it as such. The main dude didn't show up. You're not having no concert in Row, So, we shut that thing down, even though some of his... Uh, uh, uh his uh, followers, followers hard, showed up anti-maskers uh but at the end of the day that 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 uh, situation flopped for them and so we you know wanted that to leave that to let that be a message to any other quote unquote do gooders like we're like who who invited you like you can't just come in any roll up in anybody's communion just start doing whatever the hell you want to do like we don't get down like that even in Skid Row don't don't do that so let that be a lesson to everybody else Anybody can come through, pass out bars, whatever, have to do, but respect the politics of what's going on in the streets. And so, hey, if you want to come to Skid Row, wear a mask. I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Okay, well, we unfortunately have to. Oh, I got so much
0: more to talk about. We can do a
1: part two. It looks like we're probably going to have to definitely do a part two (laughs) for sure. I got
0: so much more to talk about.
1: But, um,. Let the people know where they can find you, and also, you know, just leave us with what you hope for the future of Skid Row.
0: Back in when I was in my streets life, said, "Oh, I'm everywhere and nowhere." <laughs> <laughs> However, these days, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in Skid Row. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Um, you know, Facebook, General Jeff. Uh, on the gram, it's uh, at Skid Row General Jeff. Um, on on Twitter, it's at Go Skid Row Go. My email, spelled all the way out, is issuesandsolutions at yahoo.com. That's I-S-S-U-E-S-A-N-D-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S at yahoo.com. Normally, I get my cell phone out, but somehow these folks from overseas keep calling, and I don't know what that's about. But, you know, anyway, you can reach out for them. My phone is on 24-7. I will, you know, reach back and all of that. And so we can start from there and holler at me.
1: Definitely. And your hope for the... Future
0: of Skid Row? Oh, we need to just completely implode whatever system is in place right now and start over. There's no, it's impossible for it to be fixed based on what's in the structure, the infrastructure that's in place. Um, It's philosophical differences, but there's no way. It's like trying to build a house on flawed concrete. Like when you lay a foundation, you know, you lay down a smooth, nice, smooth concrete foundation and let it dry hard. If it's got cracks in it, which Skid Row does, why would you build anything? You build is going to come crumbling down. That's what's been happening historically in Skira. We need to completely implode that, remove all of that, lay down a whole new foundation with a whole new pro, a whole new building structure.
1: I know I said we were going to end, but I do have a follow up question. <laughs> so do no, you I'm feel here. like um, I did hear a woman speak on this about the homeless crisis in? I believe Oregon or Washington, a Caucasian lady, and she used to be homeless. And she said that I feel like we're looking at the homeless crisis kind of in the wrong way. She said we we need to also be focusing on the drug crisis. What do you think about that?
0: Well, the drug. Well, again, as far as Skid Row specifically, mm-hmm. um, is African American. It's black folks. We don't own no planes. We don't. We not bringing the drugs into the country. They don't manufacture cocaine. They, they don't grow co- cocaine right. here, you know. So when they talk about focus on the drugs, like that's the problem. They want to focus on it when it starts with the black people and the brown people. They don't go to the top of the food chain of uh, who the folks is actually mastermind, the kingpins that's actually actually making it for the the drugs to get into this country. That's softening the borders. That's allowing the stuff to get in here to poison our people. So if they gonna talk that talk, let's let's point fingers all the way at the top. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, oh, it's too like if they say, oh, it's too much alcohol in Skate Row. Don't point at the people that's on the street corner selling, uh, got a side hustle selling alcohol. Point to the manufacturers, whether it's you know I don't want to give no endorsements, but whether it's the whiskey makers, bourbon makers, cognac, whoever it is, the people that's making the cognac. I mean the alcohol, and then then from there, who's distributing it from their levels to get to, to our community. It can't get to, somebody's got to bring it in. And so again, we know from the 80s, law enforcement was in on it. So if she's saying, hey, let's point fingers at the police and the law enforcement that's still bringing that dope in our communities, I'm all for it, I agree. Hmm. But don't just point it to black folks that side up. Now that it's here, I'm trying to, you know, we might as well hustle up, but no, point it, go all the way to the top.
1: When, have black people started us- when did black people start using meth? Because I recently saw... Members of like my generation using meth, and it just seems like meth is something that is in the black community now. And I never knew us to be using meth like that from back in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, since the nineties, it wasn't real, real popular because because crack was so popular. But um, yeah, it's been um, yeah, it's like in Skid Row specifically, like since the two thousands, tough. You know, not only just meth, heroin. You know, H goes back. You call it H on the streets. Um, goes back um, decades, and you know those that you—it's you know those worlds. Those that use it, use it. Those that don't dope, but but it's been there. It's been there. It, trust and believe. It's all kind of dope that you know some folks is, you know, doing. A, oh man, it's sad. It's a lot of folks doing all slamming. You know, when they just take the needle. They don't like try to find a vein. They'll just slam it into like a leg or something. And mm-hmm. Just quit and push it in. Okay. Just that's Folks, I don't want to get too graphic, but we I know just, I'm it's, over it's here like... squirming. <laughs> squirming <yeah. laughs> like I didn't write
1: my college uh, essay about seeing a guy smoke crack. <laughs> I was like, "Get me out of here! I'm watching people oh, smoke man. crack. Let me in your college." But um, okay, look, this is the real last question though. <laughs> Do you think that tiny homes would improve um homelessness in LA?
0: No. Um, the reason why is because there's not enough real estate. You know, tiny homes take up space. Where are you going to put them? It sounds good. Oh, it's great! Yeah. I mean, we've had so many, uh, what, the, what the folks came to Skid Row with the EDAR. Everybody deserves a roof. E-D-A-R. Mm-hmm. And what those were, were like some fold-up metal tents. You unfold them when you want to sleep. Bam. And it's like, okay. And they're on wheels. So you can, in the daytime, you can roll them up. And So then you got to roll this big apparatus around. And it, it, it sounds good on paper. Uh, tiny homes, pallet homes. You know, all these types of folks coming up with all these wonderful ideals, but if you don't have the space to put them, like if you, you know, if you guys donated this room right here, how many tiny homes could fit in this place? Two in this space. Two? So then it's like, okay, you're only housing two people. Like that's not, a, or in a parking lot. If you're only housing 10 people, is that really a solution? When especially in Skate you got thousands of people, you're going to come up with, where are you going to put a thousand tiny homes?
1: You think we need apartments, more apartments?
0: I mean, well, that's ba- that more feasible because you can build multiple floors. You can build on top. of. It. You can go up. Right. Like one thing about, you know, tiny homes and those types of things, you have to build out. Okay. You can't build out. There's not enough space. You, know, you got to build up. So you got to stack. Shipping containers makes more sense because you can stack shipping containers, but you need land. To, where are you going to put it? Right. And so now in California, the real estate prices are so high. The developers is not gonna let it go for dirt cheap to house homeless people. When you can build luxury condos for top value, it makes sense to me in terms of capitalist society. Right. And that's where it's a problem. And so you know, you know, and I'll close with this. You know, with 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 uh, America being a capitalist society. You know, and I even you know look I look at start with you know our our forefathers and foremothers like Martin Luther King and them. And they were talking about equality. Um, You can't have equality in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. Capitalism is somebody wins and somebody loses. Every time, every business deal, that's how it is. And the way they've maximized that is on the same limited number of folks of the ones that are winning. That means the majority of the other everybody, the rest of us, are losing. So that's why it's, oh, the upper 1% is getting all the money. Yeah, that's capitalism at its best. They're hoarding all the resources and funding and the trickle down economics, that that stuff would never work because greed is involved. It would work in a just society, but this is no longer, America is no longer a just society. And we learned that as black folks through the police brutality, the judicial system. So quite naturally, the economic system is not going to be fair and square so they've compromised all the major components of America. America is doomed for failure. And so while we're sitting here hoping and 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 believing in a system that will one day, you know, make sense, it's not going to it can't make sense, and especially for those of us all the way down at the bottom of society's totem pole, the bottom 1% um, yeah it's never gonna it's never gonna be straightened out because you got that same capitalism that's on the upper one percent that same mindset exists on the bottom one percent and so it's a whole separate infrastructure with the people on top of that that homeless sector the homeless industrial complex they're eating swell off of the demise of others mm-hmm. and so as long as that is structure is in place with no regulation and no, Oversight, true oversight and transparency, it's going to continue, it's already out of control. So the next 10 to 15 years, easily, I can put 15 years on it. The next 15 years, uh, we're going to continue to look exactly like this, if not worse.